welcome to Ripe Hour, a podcast about everyday retreats. My name is Eddie Keenan. I am a retreat guide and transformation coach. I am speaking to you from Santa Fe, New Mexico, USA. On our last episode, we dug into this idea of creating a ceremony or ritual to process the pandemic and commit to new positive change. I recommend taking a listen to that when you get the chance, if you haven't done so already. Today, we're going to kind of expand upon this, this notion of there being seasons to your life. Specifically, what I want to talk about today is listening to the signs around you, the signals, the messages, the events, the roadblocks that present themselves to you in order to get you where you're going, specifically in the direction of positive change and momentum in your life. Before I kind of unpack, what does this all mean? What do you mean listening to the signs? Before I kind of delve into that, I want to actually kick things off with a story. As I mentioned, big storyteller, big part of my practice. I find there's so much power in Having a rich inner voice, you know, the practice of, of writing and telling stories is incredibly life affirming, I have found, and can also just add a lot of like joy uh, in, in making sense of your life and, and sharing that with those around you. It's also a very creative process, I find. And the more you tell the stories, like certain flourishes get. Uh, perhaps refined and remember new details. And so it's like a evolving process, uh, which I, I quite enjoy. Kind of reminds me of this notion of like a palimpsest, which is a word I heard a long time ago. A palimpsest is this idea of like on parchment, you, know, you write something and then you erase it and then you write something over it again. Yet that initial marking is still there. And with each passing layer, uh, it's like the collection of all the all of the layers that you've written on this parchment. I like this idea as it applies to storytelling in our own lives because, you know, verbal storytelling, especially with friends and family, is a pal obsessed in the sense that these stories evolve. They're living, breathing things. And especially if you tell certain stories that are like your classics, your foundational stories throughout your life, you know, they do change, right? Memory shifts. Uh, and I just find that quite exciting. <laughs> and I've had some people in my life remark like, oh, that story sounded a little bit different this time. So in any event, I want to share a story with you that kind of kicks off this idea of listening to the signs. I want to bring you back to June 2014. I was at this point wrapping up 
a year-long intensive program on massage therapy. And I loved what I was doing. It kicked my butt though. It was really demanding, uh, not only physically demanding, but emotionally demanding and intellectually demanding as like a student, a lifelong student who's like excelled in school and always took pride in school. This program was kicking my butt <laughs> because, you know, learning about the body, anatomy, physiology, pathology, all these things, it was quite daunting for me as someone who doesn't necessarily have like a, a science oriented mind. Uh, so here I am, it's June, 2014. I'm, I'm pretty burnt out. I'm in doing this clinic. So seeing people from the public in Portland, Oregon, where I went to massage school, and I'm also working full time at a chocolate cafe. <laughs> so I'm carving up little truffles, making milkshakes and, uh, and all that. So I was quite a busy guy at this point and really looking forward to, to finishing this program and, uh, and getting licensed in massage and, and being a massage therapist. Uh, which is uh, a dream I have had of, uh, had of mine. So it was one morning, Tuesday morning. And uh, on this Tuesday morning, I was actually receiving a massage from a, a classmate. You know, it's pretty common for there to be like trades. And so I get up from this massage with cradle face which is that mark, you know, when you're laying on your stomach and you have that <laughs> marking around your face, like some red from the face cradle. So I have full cradle face and I have like 15 minutes before my next class, uh, which was, was clinic to see, you know, people from the public coming in to get discounted massages by students set to graduate. And so I made my way quickly down uh, to the street because I had to pay my meter. Uh, and so I have cradle face. I'm a little bit out of it as, you know, good sign of any good massage. You're just like, kind of like a little bit <laughs> drooly, maybe bleary eyed. And so I was definitely in that mode and uh, kind of speed walking on the double because I had to kind of a tight turnaround. So I get to the street and I'm already in this like dreamlike state. And I'm like, dude, where's my car? <laughs> like, this is what I'm thinking to myself. I'm like, where is my car? And of course I'm like, you know, have memories to the, the movie with Ashton Kutcher, <laughs> if you've seen it. It's like a stoner comedy. It's like the whole movie is about finding their car. Anyway. I'm like, no, seriously, where the fuck's my car? <laughs> so I'm like walking on the block, looking for my tiny black Honda Civic and not finding it. And so I'm like, oh, did I mistake? Maybe I'm in the other lot. So it's a big city block. So I'm walking around the other side of the building and I don't see it there either. 
so I just like pause here in the morning sun. I have this like total cradle face. I remember a stranger walked by me like, what is this guy doing? He looks totally out of it <laughs> with like markings on his face. And I'm just like truly like puzzled. I'm someone who like prides myself on my memory. And so like, you know, I'm, it was really like a, you know, moment of humility for me. Cause I'm like, am I really forgetting, like forgetting where my car is? So I walk around again and I'm like, you know, I'm in a time crunch because I got things to do. <laughs> and so I walk around again and I'm like, damn, like, did my car get towed? So there's like this number that I call that's on the sign. Fortunately, like I was able to speak with someone within like three or four minutes. And it was like the city tow lot, I, I suppose, or the, you know, the company that does the towing for the city in any regard. I was like, hi, did you tow a, a Honda Civic this morning? And I like said the location and they're like, no, we have no records of that in our system. I'm like, damn, I think my car got stolen. <laughs> so I'm like, fuck. So I sprint upstairs to the clinic, which is about to start. So I have like clients that are about to see me. So I tell my advisor, I'm like, I'm so sorry, but like my car just got stolen. Is there any way some of the you know, other administrative people can sub in because we would rotate between like administrative stuff and then actually doing massage. And so fortunately, like that was covered. Someone stepped in for me, appreciated that person big time. And I find myself back on the street after settling that I'm like catching my breath, super stressed. I don't do well with like, you know, time crunches in particular. It creates a lot of anxiety for me as I'm sure it does most people. So I call the cops, I call the police. I'm like, hi, I'm calling to report a stolen vehicle. And the guy's like, make and model. <laughs> like he, almost as if he had done this like 10 times that day. Uh, and I was like, oh, it's a 1999 black Honda Civic. And he's like, <laughs> good luck ever seeing that again. Like, excuse me, what? He's like, most stolen car in America, 12 years running, is what he said to me. I'm like, oh, great, cool. This is off to a fantastic start. So he's like, all right, I'll be by in a minute. So after speaking with like non-emergency line, I wait like half an hour. This cop shows up and I'm standing in the spot where my Civic was. Uh, and it's still an empty spot. There's no other car parked there. And this guy is gets out of the car. This cop is like highly skeptical of me. So I still have slight cradle face, bear in mind. So my face is still a little bit red. I'm still out of it, very much out of it. Drinking water, pacing around. And so he like kind of like cocks his head and approaches me. And he's looking down on the ground. And... You know, I'm not seeing any glass on the ground either. <laughs> so I'm like trying to piece that together. And so this guy basically rattles off a couple of things, kind of mumbles, barely looks me in the face, and writes down like a case number on his on his card and like hands it to me. Uh and and like leaves promptly. So like there was just really no <laughs> he's like, we'll add it to our system. 
good luck, Godspeed kind of thing. Like, yeah. So I'm like, shit, like, what do I do? I have like four weeks left to this program. I live in this neighborhood called St. John's, which is like seven miles north of my massage school. And then I work at this chocolate shop uh, on the west side of Portland. So it's like this big triangle, (laughs) Uh, these three locations where I work, where I go to school, where I live that are pretty far from each other. So I'm like, shit, I guess I need to get a bicycle. And so I remember talking to my brother and I was like, yeah, bro, my my car got stolen. (laughs) And he knew I had a Honda Civic and he's like, he's like, you're never going to see that again. He's like, that's probably on a chop shop or, you know, someone has made up their home and like the condition he's like, you're never, you don't even want to see it again. I'm like, Oh God. So at this point I'm like pretty defeated, but like, I don't have much time to really <laughs> mourn the loss of my car. Cause I have things to do. I'm booked and busy. So I, I remember I get a bicycle and I just start biking. It's like 25 miles a day, pretty much from my home to my school, over to the chocolate shop, back up home. And uh, it's a pretty stressful time because this, you know, end of this program is demanding. And uh, although the chocolate shop, you know, <laughs> certainly like pretty cushy retail uh, gig definitely had its moments like people showing up at like 11 PM to order like 30 milkshakes, like a school bus full of teenagers. So anyway, I'm like, okay, like game on, like, let's go. So I'm like biking a lot and just, yeah, I I've moved on. I needed to move on with my life. Uh, and you know, I put the card like in my desk or whatever. I'm like, I just, you know, I'm never going to see it again. So I call, Geico and speak with Clarissa in Minneapolis. And, you know, I had bottom of the barrel car insurance, right? It was just like liability. And so she's like, there's nothing I can do for you, but she's like, I can send you like a kush kush ball. (laughs) So she offered to send me like a Geico, like gecko kush kush ball. It's like a consolation prize. And I'm like, there's nothing you can do. And she's like, I'm so sorry, but yeah, you had the most budget car insurance. So there's nothing I can do. So I'm like, okay, total loss, like $3,500 down the drain. I have no wheels. And I'm like pretty broke at this point, making like $900 a month. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So I'm like, all right. So I'm biking. It's like June, late June. And, uh, just biking a lot and really getting my getting good quad and calf workout, good glute workout with all those miles on that bike and just do my best to just get through this final stretch of the program. So a month later to the day, I get a call from this officer, Douglas Moorhead, is his name. He said, Mr. Keenan, I said, yes. Are you the individual to confirm that reported your vehicle stolen? I said, yes. He said, we've located your vehicle on an abandoned logging road up near Larch Mountain in Washington State. 
you must go to this tow lot to retrieve your vehicle. <laughs> that was it. Very curt message. I was like, what? I was like, officer, like, do you know the you know, condition of the car? He's like, I cannot disclose any more details at this time. Click, basically. I was like, what? So I'd written down the address of this tow lot. And I told my boyfriend at the time, like, where it was. He's like, oh, God. <laughs> he's from the area. He's like, he's like, that is the boonies. So the next day, I'm just, like, thinking about, like, is this car totaled, like, you know, I just so many, so many things are going through my mind. I never, I, at that point I'd resign myself. Like I'm not going to see my car again. So here we are driving up to the middle of nowhere, uh, to find my, to get my car. And it is straight up like not even a one stoplight town. Like there was barely a stop sign in this town and like the deliverance vibe like set in immediately like no 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 so we make our way to the tow lot into this town on the outskirts of this tiny town and we show up with like the only car <laughs> parked and uh we like open the creaky gate and make our way in and we're like looking around we are like dogs barking in the distance some crows calling which for me is good luck and this guy kind of hobbles out he has like more keys in his keychain than teeth in his mouth and he's got this grin on his face and he's like canaan right i was like yeah <laughs> and he like gives a chuckle and i was like oh god like it's not a good sign he's like ah the civic and so he's like kind of gestures and he's walking pretty quickly. He's like this kind of small portly man, but he's got a, he's like on a double. He's like got a pep in his step and he's clearly excited to show me my car. And so we follow him like through this maze and there's just like all this junk and various stuff. I, I mean, I guess it's a junkyard, a tow lot, but just all sorts of stuff. And so we turn the corner he stops dead in his tracks. Again, the grin has gotten bigger on his face. And he gestures. He points toward the corner of the tow lot. And I look at my boyfriend. And he kind of like shrugs and like motions. Like, let's go check it out, basically. And so <laughs> we begin walking over to my car. And as I'm approaching my vehicle... <laughs> my tiny honda civic i'm like immediately trying to size up the situation so i see new tires on this car like four like kind of heavy duty snow tires and i'm not seeing any like physical damage to the you know exterior body of my car so i'm like you know <laughs> walking kind of quickly now because i'm like what like i'm just so thrown off i'm like happy but i'm like what's going on like this is so bizarre so i get in my car and start looking around and in my car there's a bunch of stuff wrenches fishing rods siphon hose gas tank remote control helicopter size eight ladies american eagle flip-flops pills weed receipts papers all the stuff I'm like what 
what the hell? And so this guy is like, <laughs> like just kind of like arms crossed, just taking it in, like as if this is like a, you know, his favorite TV show or something. And uh, I'm like, what? And so like, I look at my boyfriend, I'm like, what the hell? And the guy is like, son, you might want to check the trunk. I'm like, oh God. So like I get up, walk, like slowly walk to the back of my car. And I'm just like, this is already such a bizarre turn of events. Like there could be anything in this trunk. And I definitely like invoked Brad Pitt's character in the movie seven. Like what's in the box? What's in the box? I'm like, there could be, there could be a body. I mean, there could be more than one body and like there could be anything in here you know and so i take the key and i turn <laughs> i turn the trunk and i pause again and i just like look over and i'm like they're just i think my boyfriend at this point had, like started to back away i'm like oh my god I'm like jesus christ <sighs> take a deep breath and open the trunk and a plume of dust comes out and the got some in my mouth. I remember coughing <laughs> that guy really, really liked that. It got him, gave him a good chuckle. So after I like catch my breath and like wipe my eyes inside this trunk, I see a big black trunk an antique trunk. I'm like, Oh God, here we go. It's like the Russian dolls. Like how much longer is this going to last? So again, I have this moment of like, Oh my, like this could be anything. Like, is this going to be traumatizing to me? <laughs> like, so I'm like, okay. And so then I put my hands on this black antique trunk inside my Honda Civic that has snow tires and all this stuff. And uh, in the middle of nowhere, a month after I've already like just let go of the fact that I ever find this car again, I, I put my hands in this dusty trunk, start prying it open. And I'm like, like I'm kind of like scratching down with like one eye to just see what's in there. I open it and inside this black antique trunk in my trunk. are 24 birdhouses ornately painted excellent condition birdhouses with little designs and all this stuff and i'm just like <laughs> completely baffled like truly speechless like baffled the guy's expecting like ammunition maybe like a ticking bomb birdhouses so i'm like i think i start laughing at this time but i'm like truly out of it i'm like am i dreaming like what's going on and so i'm like what and like my boyfriend starts to laugh and this guy's like sounds like an antiques roadshow rampage <laughs> like what so then he points to the other corner of the lot he's like see that that big up over there i was like yeah he's like that was found three quarters of a mile from your car. And he's like, son, like your car was the getaway car. <laughs> so my boyfriend at the time, like he was just like a car savant. Like we would be on the highway 
and like I'd point to a certain car and he'd be like Chattanooga, Tennessee, Dayton, Ohio. Like he knew like the plants that cars were made. And, and so I'm like, what is that? Like, what is that torched, completely torched pickup truck with no tires? The flames, the char was just like unreal. It was like Mad Max Fury Road. And uh, he's like, I have no idea what, I have no idea what maker model that pickup truck is. So I'm like piecing together like all this stuff and like, so like hopped up on pills, like with the remote control helicopter, like partying in the, in the, the woods off this like abandoned logging road and they like torch this truck and they <laughs> i was just like what the hell so the good news is that you know the car worked <laughs> i just needed to get like the ignition replaced which apparently you could like steal a honda civic with like a a cheese it you know it's like or a penny like very easy to do uh, so yeah, I got the, got the car towed back, uh, to Portland, I had to pay this guy, you know, cause he had the car for a couple of days, like $600 and, uh, and obviously gave him a priceless story that I'm sure he still tells his friends inside this car though. There were two receipts that I found Carl Lake and Darcy Johnson. Their names were at the bottom of these receipts, these Safeway receipts, because they had used not only their Safeway club card, but their food stamps card. And the items were so bizarre. It was like onions, mayonnaise, like Brussels sprouts, like pickles, and just like various items like didn't quite add up. And so... I felt like, you know, Harry at the spy hit the jackpot. I used, used to want to be a detective. And I was like, I got, like, I got these people, you know? So we're like towing the car back. And uh, I'm just talking to my boyfriend about it. Like, you know, I have these people, like this case is done, right? Like their, their name, like they didn't realize, like I have their names on these receipts that are in my vehicle that was found, like, right? Like done, done deal. So after we get the car back, I get the ignition fixed. And uh, I, I call again the like non-emergency line of the Portland police to and give them the case number. And I'm like, hey, look, like there's a bunch of items in my car and I rattled them off. Uh, and he's like, how many birdhouses? I was like, 24. And I was like, I have their, you know, two receipts. I have evidence officer, like who these people are. He's like, yeah, yeah. He's like, all right, well, I'll be by tomorrow. Like whatever it was, like 3.30. So I like, proudly like took a number two pencil and like put these receipts in like a ziploc bag like yeah just keeping the like trail evidence on point you know i also was really into csi growing up so i'm like this is like my moment to shine right like i got the evidence you know proudly so the officer shows up and he's like well we're gonna have to take everything as evidence uh he's like including those birdhouses let me take a look at those birdhouses he was very interested in the birdhouses and so I'm like, all right, whatever, like, you know, you can take all this stuff, but like, it's all good because I'm going to like, <laughs> like these people are going to pay, you know, because uh, I have these receipts. And so he's like hauling all this stuff into his car, looking at the helicopter, inspecting the birdhouses, like fishing rod, like all this gear, the pills, the wheat, like everything, the American Eagle flip-flops. And so like, he's like, you know, filling out, like scribbling on some paper and like putting this stuff in his vehicle and i'm kind of like holding the ziploc bag with the two receipts i thought he would immediately like go to that first so i'm kind of like pointing to it like puzzled 
like officer like what about these <laughs> the receipts that i found remember like that was the whole point of this the people the criminals are right here like their names are right here on this all these receipts and he's like son well in the state of oregon <laughs> Unless these two individuals were to testify and admit guilt in a court of law, there's no way to necessarily place them at the scene of the crime. I'm like, what? I'm like, it was found in the middle of nowhere on a logging road. And he kind of shrugs like, <laughs> he's like, that's the, that's the letter of the law. And so he doesn't take the receipts and like drives away. <laughs> and so I'm like, did I just get conned by the police? I'm like, well, can I have all that stuff? I'm sure in some like North Portland officer's yard, there's like an officer's wife drinking some lemonade or iced tea right now, like in a rocking chair, like looking out, smiling at all of her birdhouses. And so for the next, you know, 10 business days, I went rogue. I was like, I'm gonna find. <laughs> Carl Lake and Darcy Johnson, like online, you know, like I'm going to find them and do some like guerrilla justice. And after, you know, I couldn't find them online. Uh, I was looking through like public, you know, arrest records and all this stuff. And I was like, okay, she's going to let it go. I got my car back. And that's, you know, that's, that's good enough. It's running better than it was before. I got these new snow tires on it. Like life is good. I'm grateful to have my car back. Well, this car really <laughs> uh, went through the ringer. Um, you know, other things happened to this vehicle. Nothing as dramatic as this. But the story like stuck with me because it was such a like fantastical, uh, like rising up from the ashes moment. <laughs> during this like pivotal transition time for me that it really left this impression on me that like not just resilience or like coming back from the dead, but like you never know what's going to happen. It's like specifically in a situation where you've like given up hope or resigned yourself uh, I always think of my my Honda Civic. Now, one th other thing to share with you about this car that you know, through this like bizarre turn of events, like came back into my possession, even though like everyone was like, "You're never going to see this again." This car had, you know, had a license plate that I got. So when I registered the car, uh, you know, you got the temporary paper drivers uh or the license plate rather that you put you know you tape in the back of your car right and so when i got my license plate in the mail for this car i was like completely <laughs> dumbstruck i'm like big into like numbers i see i receive signs with numbers like I'm the fourth, so like fours and twos are a big deal. And like, there's a bunch of other stuff. But anyway, I opened this uh, license plate when I first got the car. And it's, you know, in Oregon, there's not many people. So there's only six, six characters total on the license plate, six possible characters. And so the first three characters 
on this license plate of my car, this car that would have been stolen in a couple years from that point, were 207, which immediately like jumped off the plate to me because 207 is the one area code for the state of Maine, which is a place near and dear to my heart. Uh, as I, I practically like, grew up there, uh, my parents have this like gorgeous like lake house uh, where I grew up like catching frogs and turtles and we had all sorts of like family friends visit us and, and all that stuff. It was like truly like the first like retreat place that I ever knew in my life. So 207 were the first three characters, the only area code for the state of Maine. So I'm like, well, that's wild. And the next three characters were EK, my initials, Eddie Keenan, and then the letter Y. <laughs> So I speak to you now, right? Having, uh, you know, made this bold leap to, you know, start my own business, my venture, my retreat and coaching business. And uh, on this, on my bookshelf, I still have that license plate, 207 Maine, my, the first place where I knew had this retreat, this refuge in nature. EK, my initials, and Y, letter Y. <laughs> so it's, uh, yeah, quite a turn of events, no doubt. Uh, certainly, though, that story, that event, that series of events taught me a lot. Yet I still always go back to the license plate of like, what are the odds? Like, what are the odds, right? Like, this license plate is basically telling me that this car that, you know, went through this kind of roundabout series of events ultimately back to back home is kind of like what I've been going through in my life. Right. Uh, because shortly after I got my car back, you know, I had full intentions of you know, getting my massage license and starting to practice massage. Well, through another series of events, my manager at this chocolate shop, uh, got headhunted to work for Airbnb and I got a job offer to work for Airbnb like four weeks later. And was there for six years. So I kind of went on this long roundabout, uh, <laughs> long roundabout, uh, you know, sort of adventure that also invert involved birdhouses, but like birdhouses you can stay in. <laughs> uh, but coming full circle, my point being here I am, you know, launching this retreat and coaching business. Uh, so I share this story with you because. I'm going back to this idea of like, you know, storytelling is the lifeblood of our species, right? Of the human race, right? Uh, so much knowledge transferred down from ancestors generation to generation over, you know, fires, for instance, through, you know, oral storytelling. And also like we're meaning making machines, right? Like we make meaning all the time, every day in conscious ways, on uh, subconscious ways, we're always processing all this information. Uh, one thing that I want to kind of offer my listeners here and, you know, prospective clients and just friends and family too, is like the magic of storytelling to really create a fuller, richer life. Uh, I come from a family of storytellers. So it's like certainly no surprise that I, you know, found myself being drawn to storytelling. Back to this idea though, like through this whole lens of storytelling and this one example that I shared with you of listening 
to the signs, listening to the signs around you. So I kind of want to unpack this idea a little bit further here. So this is one kind of like clear, clear case, clear image of like, oh, wow. you know, despite like a long roundabout journey, unexpected journey, uh, you know, things kind of coming full circle in a meaningful way, uh, and using that to kind of like ground myself and like drive positive momentum, uh, and also just derive like kind of like cheeky, playful joy out of it too. You know, there have been countless other stories that I want to share in this pod that are really showed me that there's so many things out of our control, right? That's why it's all the more important to focus on like, okay, what can I control within a given day? How can I control my responses? How I show up for myself and others, uh, how I treat my body, how I move my body, nourish my body, interact with those around me, right? Treat others around me. Uh, that said, there's no doubt to me, at least. And if you are skeptical, I invite you to just ponder on this and maybe spend the next week or so just noticing what happens in your day to day. And I don't mean waiting for some big dramatic story like this, right? Because there are all sorts of smaller little miracles that happen each day, smaller signs, uh, nods, if you will, affirmative nods from the universe, maybe that show you you're in the right place at the right time or on the right track. And I don't want to go into too too much detail about like what those signs might look like, uh, but just offer you like a little bit of an example. Uh, This could be like, you know, things in, in nature, like for me, like I'm really drawn to crows and also birds. And I actually am speaking to you now from my house, which is a bird house. Um, the seller was a big animal guy. And he told me about, he's like, you better like birds. Cause this it's on this migratory pattern. And there's just always so many birds here. In fact, a couple of birds flew into my house actually when I first moved in. Uh, so it could be, you know, things in nature, uh, it could be, uh, I think most often, um, words, uh, phrases that you maybe hear. Perhaps you're on a walk, you're outside in public, you're going to the grocery store, and you, you know, there's like that three second, like beautiful window where like you're passing by people having a conversation and you hear just like, just like a snippet, a glimpse of their conversation. You just hear a few words. Pay attention to like what you're hearing, <laughs> like truly. And what I mean by that is like, there could be some insight, some affirmation that actually speaks to you based on where you're at in your life that day and so forth. Uh, also like clouds in the sky is another one too. Like I often see like various uh, figures or symbols in the clouds of the sky. My point here is whether it's numbers on a license plate or snippets of conversation or, you know, birds or other, you know, creatures, uh, 
or clouds in the sky, something you hear, uh, you know, you hear some music, a song that you haven't heard in a long time that brings you back to a specific point in time that is actually relevant to you now, maybe a lesson that you learned at that point in time that's applicable to something you're going through now. My point here is without getting too wooey, I truly do believe in the the magic of synchronicity and in uh, the idea that there are, are signs, are messages, messengers that are trying to communicate with you uh, all the time. Uh, and you may maybe think like, well, I haven't received any signs for years or ever for that matter. Well, here's the magic of this. <laughs> you know, your attention is the most powerful. Your attention is the most powerful thing in the universe, right? Where you channel what you listen to, what you pay attention to is significantly powerful. And everyone has this ability, right? I've been honing and practicing mine. And so I've been noticing more patterns, more signs, more symbols in the universe. Like, oh, this guy, this guy likes a good story. And like, so think like various things are thrown my way that I make sense of and that add a lot of value to my life. And so I share all this with you to, to kind of end this episode on this like invitation, if you will. For the next few days, the next week or so after you're listening to this podcast, whenever that may be, start to just open up your periphery a little bit. Like, and I don't mean just like open your eyes wider, but like hone and harness your, your focus, your attention into like a sense of openness with this idea of like, what messages does the universe have for me today? <laughs> or, you know, what do I most need to learn today? What do I most need to know now, right now? And with that kind of like openness and curiosity, and perhaps even a bit of like childlike playfulness too, uh, go about your day. Go about your day. Remind yourself, just like, huh? I wonder. I wonder what I might notice today. Something that I wouldn't ordinarily notice. What? Just being receptive to what might land in your experience. Something you see. Something you observe. Something you overhear. A, a phone call. Perhaps like a a strange event or symbolic gesture. It could be anything. That's the thing. It could be honestly anything. And just notice, what do you, what do you see? What do you observe? And perhaps even write them down. You don't need to, but just to start like bringing your awareness to this openness of like receptivity what messages does the universe have for me today? And with this invitation, I just want to offer you that for me in my life, <laughs> I find a lot of wonder and curiosity 
follows this this train of thought this exercise throughout the day and again this can be very like mundane you know activities i mentioned the grocery store often but like you know you're running errands like it doesn't have to be anything fantastical about your day uh it, it can offer you a lot of richness and a lot of kind of joy and peace in the present moment because it brings you your locus of control into this like simple wonder of living and being. Uh, and so with that in mind, I truly hope you find some find some meaning and uh even if it's just like a small reminder to like call a friend that you haven't spoken to in a long time uh who loved like robins and you see like a robin outside uh it doesn't matter um really where it leads you really it's more so about the practice of of being truly present and being open to perhaps being surprised in receiving receiving a a message receiving a symbol receiving a directive or intuitive hit so i invite you to just consider that practice in your day-to-day just being open to any messages messengers that may present themselves to you all with the intention of like just curiosity like huh i wonder i wonder why this is arriving today i wonder what this is trying to show me and just checking in with yourself and the more that you follow these breadcrumbs if you will the more that you like kind of honor these like little moments i assure you that the more will come your way and regardless of your beliefs, you know, if you believe that your like ancestors or loved ones who passed uh, communicate with you or look over you, which I think is like a really, um, you know, lovely, uh, comforting notion that I certainly believe in. Uh, perhaps, you know, there's some messages that, you know, want to be sent your way from those, those in the beyond. Uh, or are there just like kind of, reminders for yourself uh and and maybe you're in the throes of making a big decision or maybe there's a difficult conversation or a meaningful conversation that you're not wanting to have needing to have and perhaps you get a reminder uh some sort of thing that strikes you that affirms like you know what yeah i i i need to do it now's the time whatever it may be uh, I hope that this the story that I shared with you, uh, yeah, just opens up your curiosity a bit. And if nothing else, I hope it was entertaining. Uh, but certainly more to come, more stories to come about this like meaning making and listening to the signs uh, in future episodes. Uh, and certainly can you know offer your life a lot of just variety, excitement, and just like simple wonder and peace in the present moment. Uh, and so more to come on future episodes. That wraps this one today. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Take care. Be well. Many blessings. And uh, until next time. Bye.